Do I ever cross your mind? Do I cross your mind, Dolly Parton? Um, I'll tell you one thing. You cross my mind, Atima, every single hour of the day. I, I look forward to our um, Monday to Thursday dates uh, between 10 and midnight, especially when we get into the closet. So let's get into it. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. Oh yes, we are in the closet. Uh, We are talking um, ejaculatory disorders. And uh, apparently there's uh, different uh, disorders around ejaculation. Some ejaculate too fast, uh, some too slow, and some don't ejaculate at all. Men, open up, let's talk, let's be honest with each other, and let's get the help that we need so that... Yeah, the heat in the bedroom can uh, make both partners satisfied, whether it's a homosexual or heterosexual relationship. So let's uh, engage on 011-714-2006 or you can WhatsApp 614 SMSs go to 41391. Let's welcome our A-team guest, Dr. Anthony Smith, who is a practicing family physician and a sexologist. Dr. Smith, good evening. Hi, good evening, Patricia. Nice to be with you again this evening. I'm so glad that you've joined us. This topic uh, might be a sensitive one for um, our male A-teamers, but I'm glad that you are a male sexologist and uh, family physician, so they will open up and uh, tell us what they are going through. But as a man, is it is is it how prevalent is premature or um, slow or not ejaculating at all? How prevalent are these in men? Yes, this is a more common problem than you would imagine. It's a little bit like, it really is a little bit like the, the distant cousin of erectile dysfunction, which is uh, the better known, more famous problem that people tend to have. Um, and, and that's because um, men really are quite shamed by this particular problem and really don't admit to it. They don't like to talk about it. Um, they And they prefer... And they feel for a variety of reasons that it's not something that doctors can actually help them with. So as a result, they keep it really, really quiet. And it's because of this that we don't really know exactly how many men suffer with this problem. The estimate is that up to 30% of men who are sexually active, that's, you know, see the gamut from young to old, will experience it at any one time. So it actually is um, the most common of the sexual dysfunctions. And the problem, another problem with it, is it doesn't have as clear a treatment which people can know about. You know, if you've got erectile dysfunction, you know about the little blue tablet. So you know that if you go to a doctor, there is something clear that he can prescribe for you. But what do you say or expect when you go to a doctor with this kind of problem? Well, that's maybe a question that you're going to be able to answer this evening. Well, I hope we can answer this question. Um, Doc, are there they various causes um, for uh, premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation, and not ejaculation, uh, ejaculating at all? Yes. I mean, they are. I think maybe let's talk about um, briefly what we mean when we say premature ejaculation, because, yeah. um, because it actually means quite a lot of different things, and there's also misunderstandings about what it means. So... The official meaning of it is if there's an ejaculation 
a minute or less after penetration um, with between a man and a woman or between a man and a man. Um, and this is accompanied by a loss of control that that man feels. And in addition to that, it causes a lot of distress. Um, and so your listeners may be interested to know that the average amount of time prior to ejaculation that a man will have is between three to seven minutes, um, maybe eight minutes or so. That's the average. Of course, there are many men who are much longer than that, but that's the average. And this must be a little bit counterintuitive for many people because they would think, you know, if they've maybe uh, in their own minds they're projecting that it must be a lot longer. And this is often uh, information that people have gotten from pornography and from, you know, kind of the, uh, the Olympic athletes of sex who are thought to be you know, the, the, normal, the normal performance that, 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 that people have in their expectations. So that, that, that and then delayed uh, ejaculation would be anything greater than, say, 20 to 30 minutes, also accompanied by distress and also accompanied by the wish to ejaculate and not ejaculate. So it's different for somebody who's wanting to delay for that period of time and is happy with that. That would not constitute a problem of delayed ejaculation. Um, but there's even a group of people who are, you know, that takes them longer to ejaculate, but they think that they have a problem and become distressed as a result. And sometimes they will present to a doctor saying, I'm very, very distressed. I should be taking longer. And then you ask them, well, how long is it taking you? And it's, well, 15, 20 minutes. And in fact, it's just their minds and their expectations of what they think they need to be spending time. So, yeah, so as you can see, it's quite variable. And it's also quite difficult to define. But that's more or less where... You know, that's more or less what we, what we mean when we talk about premature and delayed ejaculation. Um, but Patricia, you are asking me then about the causes mm. of this. So, and this is any, do you have any other queries about, uh, about what I said so far before I continue? I'm sure if the A team is, look, I, 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 I've got a vagina, Doc, and some of these questions I'm going to ask are going to make it very explicit that I've got a vagina um, because I'm not going to drill into your questions. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, but, yeah, you are as much of a part of the conversation as the man is because when you're dealing with somebody who's got this problem of premature ejaculation, you, you can't actually uh, separate it from the person with whom the man is ejaculating. So, um, so it really is a couple's problem more than it is an individual's problem. Um, and even if the man hasn't got a partner, um, he will still be projecting forward and fearful of what would happen when there is a partner. So this really is a conversation which, and the treatment which we can come to a little bit later is intrinsically involved with, um, with, with the partners, men or women, of that particular person who's suffering this, this, this issue. You see, dog, the fact that I've got a vagina, my concentration is going to be around her the solution, the treatment, and that's where I'm going to be taking notes. Should I find myself in a situation where my partner uh, is suffering from any of these, uh, you know, disorders? Uh, that's, that's my solution. <laughs> so maybe, uh, yeah, tell, uh, tell, us, tell us a bit more around, you know, um, yeah, what, what almost like causes it? Because for me, yes. if it's anxiety, then how do I ease the stress? Um, but, if, yes, but if it's exactly. medical, then how do I then encourage this partner? Okay, so, so when somebody is complaining of this, the, the big thing that you want to know, the first thing you want to know as a, as a doctor treating this is, is this something that that person has experienced as a lifelong problem? 
or is it something which has occurred recently or suddenly occurred after there had been no problem prior to that? Because that gives you a really, really big clue as to whether this is something that's genetically wired into that person or whether it's something that has come on due to a secondary external cause. And the, it's very interesting because there are a percentage of men who have got PE, let's call it PE, premature ejaculation, who um, have it biologically wired into their brains that, and they can't help it, even as it has a, a familiar component to it. And if it's happening from the very beginning, then you know that this is something which um, is almost a neurological reflex. And then that can become obviously worse by experiences that they have, uh, by problems or illnesses that they get, um, and by the secondary effects um, of what happens once you've experienced this kind of problem over a period of time. But the, the, so the main issues are psychological, if it's been relatively short, uh, biological, insofar as some people's neurology, some men's neurology is such that they have a neurological reflex, which occurs very, very suddenly, um, which causes uh, you know, a very, very quick ejaculation. Uh, and then there are medical issues as well which need to be looked for. So if a man comes in and complains of this and it's happened gradually over a number of months or years, then there are uh, endocrine causes, local causes like trauma, pain, physical issues to the genitalia, um, and there's certainly medical problems which can also cause it as well, the medical um, medicines which can cause it. Um, but for the most part, uh, the, the, the psychological element is very important. And you know, Patricia, it's doubly important, not only because a man's self-esteem is so wounded by this kind of problem that it's continuous, but there's some who aren't even able to ejaculate at all inside the woman's vagina. And if they are wanting to have children, this can be a cause for infertility. And you can imagine that this in itself um, can cause a massive amount of distress. So... So there are a variety, it's usually multiple causes which are together, so um, it's usually psychological and biological at the same time, which means that there are some therapies which are medical, and then there's also therapies which are psychological, which can be utilized to help uh, and aid this person who's often so very distressed. I'm going to go to some of the questions here from our A-teamers. And I'll start with this one because this A-teamer had actually sent it um, during uh, the morning show um, while I was standing in there. It says, um, I'm 43 years old. What causes a man to ejaculate sperms mixed with blood? Can it be stopped? Uh, can it stop um, you from having kids? Yeah, so that's a, that's a good question. That's a question, in fact, which... Uh, which is quite common in, in general practices, because you know, that's very, very alarming. Any, anything that shows the color red and blood, then it shouldn't be there, it just you know, throws you off. So is that something which is relatively new? You do need to look out for a, a, a cause. The common causes for it are infection. So there could be an infection in one of the ducts. So remember what happens with ejaculation is you've got the testicle, which is inside you having the production of the sperm. It's been... Um, uh, stored just outside the testicle in epididymis and it's conveyed by a kind of a windy route all the way up through into the urethra and then ejaculated out. And uh, anywhere along this tract, if there's a blood vessel that's inflamed or maybe an exposed blood vessel um, and there's maybe you know, a little bit of trauma, you know, there's been something like uh, bicycle riders, for example, or there's been some 
particularly rough element that caused a bit of disruption in the anatomy. So that can come out, but if it's persistent, um, and it's happening a lot and it wasn't happening before, you really do need to have the genitals looked out to see that the bladder and the prostate are fine and that there's no infection. And in rare cases, even a cancer can cause this kind of thing. So it definitely should be checked out. But even for those who've, who've got it um, and who do have them checked out, the vast majority are going to come back as just some fleeting, a little bit of trauma, a little bit of inflammation, some issue that is going to quite quickly go away and won't be a problem. All right. I'm going to ask you a question. I know we've had this discussion. If a man is seeing uh, his sperm is mixed with blood, why would he not go to see a medical practitioner immediately um, after seeing this? Why, why would he sit around? Is it because men fear to, to, to check their health out or is it because of other reasons? Yes, I, mean, I think one can't ask this question enough because it is so applicable to a wide range of sexual health type of problems. And it's true of any kind of issue, including having you know, blood in the, in the sperm or in the penis uh, coming out, you know, either urinated or uh, ejaculated. But it's, it's even more true of something like premature ejaculation. If you see blood and you think that there could be something traumatic, you may be more inclined to go to a doctor because it can be something quite specific and medical. You know, if somebody can tell you you've got a stone in your bladder, then you know that's a thing that can be dealt with and it's quite tangible. And it doesn't have any direct impact on your self-esteem and you don't have to start talking about your sex life, for example. So you do a little bit. So it, it is true for any, anything, any preventing problem from the genitals. But nevertheless, something like premature ejaculation is not talked about at all because it's just such a difficult thing for a man to admit to. So uh, there's several differences between men and women. And it's just, you know, I'm really generalizing here, and please forgive me. So this is really just for, uh, just to answer the question and really, very broadly get an understanding rather than to you know, be you know, specific about every single individual person. But broadly speaking, women have been socialized to be carers often. Uh, they also themselves go through a number of biological transitions, which often cause them to need to speak about intimate physical things, which men don't necessarily have to speak about. You know, women go through a period of menstruation, they go through pregnancy, they go through childbirth, um, they go through the menopause. And at each of those points, they need to speak to a doctor and articulate, they have to use words to describe their biology. And as a result, the kind of meaning-laden the, the stuff, all the stuff which centers around who they are as it relates to their biology is kind of taken out into the open. They desensitize. Whereas men, they don't really have the same kind of language to talk about things like this. And so it's much more difficult to them. And then you compound this with the fact that essential to men's sexuality is the performance element. Uh, the, the, the performance, the, the, the pressure to actually show themselves and have their esteem tied in with doing something which is related to the visible genitalia working in a very particular kind of way, working properly. And the ideal is that you know, the, the, the penis always can become erect. It can always uh, kind of work on demand, that there's always desire under the right circumstances. And the nature of the pressures placed on them there's very few places you can hide if your genitals aren't working, are much greater in many ways 
to that of women. And women have other pressures. They have you know, difficult, different kinds of pressures, which are no less, but perhaps different. But as a result, man's self-esteem is incredibly tied in with his sexual performance. And as a result, admitting to a problem is like admitting to a failure on some level. And then to actually talk about it to another person becomes incredibly difficult. And then you just put on layers of social, cultural, and religious inhibitions, and you just have a melting pot of difficulties under the surface, which then can turn into all kinds of things. You know, I often say it's the seed. The seed of a sexual problem in the mind very quickly turns into a forest of catastrophe. You know, it's just awful as to what happens. So, yeah, I mean, I think there are many other things as well, of course. Um, the macho idea of being silent, the strong and silent type of not of, of sublimating or of handing over responsibility for your health to your partner. You know, the, the female often carries the responsibility for health. You know, they're the ones who tell the man to go to the doctor. They're the ones who are inquiring and making the doctor's appointments. Um, but hopefully these things also are changing. And I think they are. The, the new generations are not quite like this. Things are changing quite a lot. And what I am painting is a little bit of a stereotype of, of, a, of a patriarchal society, which I think is rapidly changing. More voice notes. Dumela Patricia and our lovely doctor, what an interesting topic. The question we'd like to pose to our doctor is a single ABC. What impact does the rate at which a man ejaculate have on conception? And the second one is, does a female feel as much nice? And let me put it this way. Does a female or sex partner of a man who ejaculates fast feel as much nice as the sex partner of a man who ejaculates quickly. So what impact does the slow ejaculation have on nicety of sex? I am anonymous from Brafish. Good evening, lovely people. That's a very interesting question. I never mm. thought of uh, ejaculation and vis- velocity in the same uh, sentence. Yes. Um, I think that, that is. I'm just thinking about how to answer that because it's a very good question. Um, and I, I, there's two responses. So the one is related to the pleasure and you know how, pleasure, how much pleasure does the woman feel and is there a difference between a quick and a, a late ejaculation and how much... Um, and then there's the, the, the relationship to how effective and how likely is there to uh, have a conception. Is there a difference in the likelihood of conception? So uh, that, that, uh, with regards to conception, if, if the woman is adequately um, stimulated, um, she, her body goes through a series of changes insofar as the, the, the size of the vaginal vault, the position of the cervix, the, um, the, 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 the whole gen- internal genital area becomes much more receptive and conducive to getting impregnated. Um, so if the man has not, if the man is, is uh, penetrating and, and, and ejaculating far too quickly and there hasn't been time for these changes to occur, you could argue that there may be a slightly less likely chance of uh, fertilization 
to, to occur. But that's not necessarily the case because the woman could be stimulated for other reasons or pre-stimulated prior to that, in which case it really wouldn't make a huge uh, difference. So the, the answer is, in terms of conception, that there may theoretically be a, a, a smaller chance that the man is ejaculating very quickly. But of course, if he's ejaculating so quickly that he can't even penetrate, then that's a massive problem. And that would definitely make a difference in terms of fertility. With regards to the the, 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 the issue of women's pleasure, well, that, that makes, a, it makes a massive difference because the effect both on the man and then on the woman of a man who ejaculate, ejaculates too quickly is, is really very, very powerful. So the man is losing his self-esteem. He's often also starting to lose his erection because he is fearing having sex. He's anticipating that he's going to ejaculate very quickly. And he's spending all of his time mentally trying to distract himself from sex so that he doesn't ejaculate. And as a result, um, he's really removing himself from the capacity to feel pleasure and to intimately connect with his partner. And his partner knows this very, very clearly. So he or she, you know, are also themselves worrying about their partner. They aren't having enough time to be able to relax, release, and enjoy the sexual experience. And... As a result, it's causing a break. And then you get all the secondary emotions. You get the anger, the recrimination. There's the doubt that each partner feels. You don't feel finally attractive anymore. Maybe you're seeing another woman. Maybe uh, there's something about me, about my body, which um, is awful or unattractive that you don't like, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you can go down that rabbit hole and then, you know, you can just your mind can just turn over endlessly around those things, and all of that diminishes the capacity of a couple to come together and experience pleasure. So, the answer is yes. Uh, there's a big difference between those two. Of course, there's some people who do some men who do ejaculate quite quickly, but they've accommodated that and integrated into their, uh, their, their their lovemaking with their partner, and they don't struggle as a result. And it actually makes no difference because. There's a congruity. You know, the two partners have come together and they understand each other and they're able to find gratification in other ways. And so it isn't as much of a problem. So it's not inevitable that somebody who's ejaculating a bit quicker is going to find that it's an unpleasurable uh, situation. So at the end of the day, um, it really does depend. It's like what I said earlier. It's the lack of control that the man feels and the quickness of, of, of it occurring and then the struggling and the suffering that occurs. And a lot of the suffering that people feel, in this case men feel, about their sexual lives is very much related to other aspects of their sexuality. For example, you know, their their whole self-esteem, you know, who they are in the world, their work, their capacity to have relationships, to be successful, a whole lot of different things. So, as you can see, it's quite a complex, complex thing. Extremely complex. I've got uh, Ngonde on the line. Good evening, Eti Ngonde. Patricia, good evening to you. How are you doing? I'm strong. How are you? Good. Excellent. It's a very interesting topic. I'll get down to it. Patricia, point of correction to the dog. I'm sure it was a slip of tongue or the so-called Freudian slip. Patricia, one cannot see the sperm. Fact. What one sees is a seminal fluid. And inside that seminal fluid, are the spermatozoa or the sperm, right? Secondly, Patricia, I wonder if the dog can clear some misconception, if it is. One, um, when a man ejaculates, 
whether it's premature or delayed, someone will know that this guy is a shooter. In other words, when he ejaculates, the sperm seems to be mixed, right, with something else, right? And then when he ejaculates, the woman will say, hmm, this is coke mixed with iron brew, right? And then one, those that are smart will not complain now. And then after we're done with the activity, she will tell you, you cheated. And then the whole drama starts, right? And lastly, Patricia, back in 84, um, before you were born, Patricia, one of our friends, he was boasting, but I thought it was making some sense. He said, guys, this thing is all controlled in the brain, right? If the brain wants to do it quick, it'll do quick. If the brain wants to delay for five minutes, seven minutes, it can do so, right? But if you're not mature enough and you just rely on the activity, Patricia, you will always premature ejaculation. Can the dog clear that out? Can one delay um, ejaculation to the one's liking minutes? And lastly, Patricia, this thing of um, velocity, I wonder if the velocity will cause pregnancy because the faster the men ejaculate, which is what, what the men, what the guy meant by velocity, the quicker it will be to impregnate. But am I talking rubbish or sense? Mama, I don't know. I'm not the doctor, but I'm glad we've got uh, our sexologist, Dr. Anthony Smith. So, Dr. Okay. Smith, many, many things that Ngonda has posed. Thank you, Ngonda, for calling oh. in. Uh, many things that Ngonda has posed. Uh, can you please just, uh, yeah. Oh, look, I, I, I could catch some of this. It, it seems extremely uh, long and a detailed uh, uh, question, but I, I missed so much of it because of just my, my, my sound wasn't very good on that. So, I mean, maybe if I heard correctly, there was some issue about conscious control of ejaculation and whether that's possible with your mind, whether yes. that's something that you're able to do. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. And was it? And what? What were the other parts? Sure. Of the, of the I, I, I won't lie. Nanda was narrating to us uh, what the friend said, but was also saying that um, you know men don't see uh, their sperm, but they see the fluid. Um, then the sperm is within the fluid. Yes. Yes, they see the ejaculates coming out and enriches the sperm amongst other things. So that's exactly right. Um, you know, what comes out is, is, is a kind of a fluid, seminal fluids, which are the, nutri the nutrient fluids in which there's the spermatozoa. And that little area at the moment, the little small amount which is called emission, it's a small amount of fluid that comes out before the main ejaculation is just a little bit of seminal fluid which comes through as a, as a nutrient, it doesn't actually have any um, any sperm in it, and then subsequent to that, the large um, you know, then there's a, a big contraction, a muscular contraction, which comes from the pelvic floor and from the muscles at the base of the penis um, and uh, the lower abdominal wall. All of that that will contain the um, full amount of spermatozoa, which are within you know contained inside of that. So I'm not sure if that I think is what the caller was, was saying, um, 
or work on I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, helping to articulate that. So that was the first thing. And then the second is about, if I'm correct, you wanted to know a little bit about, is it all in the mind? You were saying something a little bit about cheating and about uh, infidelity, and I didn't catch that question or that part of the question. No, is, let's, is just go with, let's just go with what you, you, you heard, Doc, because okay. I don't want right. to yeah, recap. Yeah. So, so this, is a, this is really an incredibly important question because it's the first thing that somebody will try to do if they're finding that they're ejaculating too quickly. They're going to try to use a mind control over it. They, they will think, this is all in the mind. All I need to do is maybe distract myself, not think sexy thoughts, or just kind of try to bring myself down. Now, the problem with that is that what you're doing in, in trying to do that is if you're removing yourself from the whole sexual environment and you're removing yourself from your partner because you are so fixed on distracting yourself that you are forgetting what the central point of the activity is, which is to have pleasure. So you, 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 you stop enjoying sex. You stop um, finding it something that you want to do because the pleasure element is taken out of it. So, so it's not at the moment. It's the, the mind, the idea of controlling the mind is not really good, but there are ways of controlling the mind which are a little bit more helpful. And that's really before sex even starts, and then how you approach sex and how you approach your experience with your partner. So in that way, you've got to, you know, and you can talk a little bit about what is the treatment. Um, so it's not to, talk, to, to try to count sheep or to think of some awful thing that you came across uh, to distract you. It's, it's really to release and to be able to find a way with your partner to be able to concentrate on the pleasure and then to start to try and identify the point where just before your, what's called ejaculatory inevitability occurs. So if you think of the process of um, excitement, you know, if you, if you think, I'm going to ask all your, your, your listeners to imagine the process of the sensations of sex as being like a man who's going to dive off a high board. So what he first does is he walks up with anticipation to the to the um, to the diving board. There's some steps going up. He's walking up the steps. He's walking up the steps. The level of excitement is getting greater and greater. He's going to the top. He's walking across to the high board. It's one of those boards which kind of goes up and down. He's going to get a little bit of um, generate a little bit of energy on that up and down, and then he will launch himself into the air and then fall and then a perfect dive, hopefully into the water with a big splash. So at each point, you've got the anticipation, you've got the excitement rising up, you have the erection coming through, and you're getting a greater level of excitement, and then you're jumping off the, uh, off the board. Now, at that point, when you've jumped off the board, it's the same as that point of ejaculatory inevitability. You've now launched yourself. You can't now, in the middle of the air, decide that you want to get back onto the board. You're on your way down, and that's it. So what you want to do as a man to try to get some control is to try to find the point just before or at some stage before inevitability occurs whereby you can slow down. You can feel the, the, the pleasure up to that point and then you can retract and you can calm yourself down and slow down and then let your nervous system settle down. And then you can start again. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to get a sense of that point of inevitability becoming longer and longer and longer. 
And as it does so, especially if your partner's helping you, your self-esteem grows, you feel better about yourself, and you get these little victories which then build on themselves to increase your self-esteem, to allow the whole experience to be a little bit more enjoyable and less filled with fear, and then things obviously will improve. And all they really need to do is to improve to a level where you're not suffering or struggling so much and that it works for both partners. It doesn't have to be perfect. And certainly, if you have unreasonable expectations, then you could argue you're going to be unhappy and unsatisfied you know, inevitably. So you also have to have realistic expectations of what is an acceptable experience. More voice notes from our A-teamers. Hi, uh, Patricia. I'd like to know from the doctor um, if he, he has heard of um, this kind of a situation whereby you ejaculate as a man and uh, you still don't lose your, your, your erection. So it, it was not an early ejaculation. So it was probably after 10 to 15 minutes or so. And then um, the erection didn't go down. And... Uh, moments after ejaculating probably about two to three minutes and then I ejaculate once again and then still the erection didn't go down and then I, I, I ejaculated once again after another three to four minutes and uh, only then I would say the erection went down a little bit and it's something that happened I think twice um, uh, is that is that common or does has he heard of such a thing is that something that uh, other men have uh, gone through, and if so, what causes that? I'll listen over the radio. Uh, Anonymous in Johannesburg, thank you. Anonymous, I'm sure your partner was pleased with you, although you were shocked at uh, what's <laughs> happening in your body. <laughs> Doc? <laughs> yeah, it's such an interesting question. Um, the short answer is it is uncommon. It's not, that's not a common experience. I think it is more likely to, if it's going to occur, it's going to occur with younger men. Um, but what it does illustrate is that the centers of control for erection and the center of control for ejaculation are actually quite different in the body. They involve different neurotransmitters in different parts of the brain. And what happens you know, usually is that it's a, a relatively seamless relay race. You know, it's like a man running a race with a baton in his hand and you see how they change the baton with the next person coming in and they take over and they continue with the relay. So, in fact, it's, it's a different process with the seamless kind of changing over of the batons. And this is a little bit like, you know, you have the ejaculation, but uh, the, the erection continues to run. You know, it doesn't actually leave the baton. It's continuing to run with it nevertheless. And that happens because the areas of stimulation um, which are causing the erection to occur uh, you, you know, which is to say that uh, are, are still continuing. Sometimes, you know, after an ejaculation, there's a reciprocal um, kind of burst of chemicals which will then inhibit the erection and cause the blood to drain out of the penis and then the erection will subside. But if that messaging doesn't occur, and that can actually also be related to a substance which somebody may have had at the time, it could be related to alcohol, it could be related to some other kind of medication or tablet, and in fact, something which can perpetuate it is Viagra and uh, all those kinds of medications. So if you are uh, a person who's relatively, if you're a young person who's got a relatively um, strong and enduring uh, 
erectile reflex and uh, then you find that the refractory period is very very short and sometimes non-existent and um, that, that that kind of changeover of the the firing of the brain doesn't occur it continues but as the um, as the uh, the speaker um, on the phone uh, suggests as he described is quite quite uncommon to have it quite like that um, so I I can't say I can that's a relatively unique situation I have to say Lucky guy um, and a lucky partner. <laughs> uh, let me go to another voice note. Uh, good evening, Patricia. You see what I experienced now. If you ejaculate, it depends on what sex mood you is, in what sex mood you is. So that's why it happens sometimes when you're coming fast. And what I learned from my experience I have to satisfy my girlfriend first. So I make sure that she get the pleasure first before I get it. <clears throat> what I try to say is like, because if I come in first, and then it will take a long time if I come again. That's why I have to let she get the pleasure first before I get the pleasure. Very considerate partner there. But obviously, if there's a disorder, uh, that needs to be addressed, Doc, no matter how much you might uh, try to, to, to make sure that you are ejaculating um, at the pace and rate that you would like to. But if there's a disorder, then that needs to be addressed. Yes, that's absolutely right. Uh, if, if there's a problem, if there's some kind of inflammation, for example, and a prostatic inflammation is a reason for premature ejaculation, um, and if there's an irritability and inflammation or just generally some kind of pathology which requires a treatment, then, you know, you, you, you can, with your best efforts, you're not going to sort it out. And that really then needs to be addressed medically. A diagnosis needs to be made and the right treatment and then the right follow-up of that treatment in order to help it. So yeah, any persisting, any problem, um, you know, in general, but specifically in the, you know, the male genital tract, that appears relatively suddenly. Um, it, it's suggesting that there's some acute cause. There's something which has intervened to cause the problem, whereas something that has been there for a very long time was very gradually occurred. You know, well then the causes are different. And if it's been there your entire life, then that may just be to some degree normal for you. So you know, that's often how we um, how we distinguish. Um, you know, the, the clues as to what is causing the problem that presents to a doctor. Let's go to a quick break. We'll be back with more of your messages. Uh, our guest is Dr. Anthony Smith, a practicing family physician and sexologist. We're talking uh, erectile disorders. Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. Sure, Doc, let me go straight to these messages. This one says, hi, I'm a 51-year-old man. I'm married uh, uh, since 1997. I've got four sons uh, from the year 2000 to 2007. I was riding a bicycle from workplace uh, to my rural town for about 102 kilometer, kilometers almost every weekend. My last born uh, were twins, which was in 2006. 
uh, two of my sons were born with cleft leap. My um, problem now is whenever I want to have sex with my wife, my heart starts beating to an extent that I, I fail to penetrate my wife because of my penis that remains flaccid. I'm staying alone. My wife is very far from where I'm currently working, so she visits me once after five months. The day when she arrives, sometimes we don't have sex because the same unerecting penis. Can this be caused by the bike I was riding or else? Um, now it's become worse. I had a problem of my intestines. They were twisting and I went to the hospital and was operated. The doctor cut the part of my intestines and uh, rejoined after removing the cause. Can this be a contributing factor? Please help, Doc, because I lose, I can lose my marriage at the age of 51. I'm in the Northwest province. Otherwise, I can have the same doctor who can help me physically. Shane, this, um, this, uh, this poor chap, is, uh, he's, he's really struggling there. Um, so let's take apart this question. He's finding that he's having erectile problems. He's seeing his partner and his wife quite infrequently. Um, and he's also experiencing rapid heart, a rapid heart rate at the time of sexual activity, um, which may or may not be his heart. It could also be anxiety that he's experiencing. Um, and in the background, he's worried that his riding on a bicycle is somehow injured his genital area and maybe could it be contributing to this so i think the first easy part to answer is that um it's very unlikely that the cycling has 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 played a part in this um one way to know would be you know, if he masturbates or not if he's masturbating and his erectile function is fine then you'll know that that really isn't a problem at all but if he's unable to get any erection at any time in any situation, then, well, that does point to an organic problem, and I would be suggesting that he has a proper urological follow-up. But if it's associated with a rapid heartbeat, which could suggest that he may have a cardiac problem, maybe he is having some arrhythmia or his blood pressure is a little bit high, and you know, as we said before, erectile dysfunction in an older, middle-aged man can sometimes be associated with narrowing of the arteries, the arteries supplying the penis of the smallest and that a first one that often can be affected if there's a problem in the circulation. So maybe he needs to just have his cholesterol, his sugar, thyroid, prostate, all of those checked out. Um, but maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's the fact that there's such high expectation uh, and he's so worried about disappointing his wife and alienating her and maybe having the breakup of his relationship that this places a big uh, burden on him uh, a burden of pressure to perform which in itself is inhibiting to its performance it makes him more and more anxious and under levels of anxiety like that he's just not able to get an erection because the anxiety is stopping him from being able to relax sufficiently to allow all the equipment to work as it should so at 51 if he hasn't recently it's a very good age to go and have a proper check have all of those things looked at prostate blood pressure cholesterol sugar thyroid um, and otherwise, maybe to try to uh, alleviate the anxiety that he, he could be feeling and the pressure that he is. Maybe he needs to um, be reaching out to his partner and having some kind of virtual sexual activity, you know, something where they can communicate without seeing each other. And, uh, and this is something that many people have been doing over the, the, the big lockdowns and during the pandemic. 
you know, new and creative ways of, of, of connecting sexually. Maybe you can try that in order to connect and so that it's not so far and few, few and far between that it's, it's causing a lot of pressure. So, yeah, that's, that's so often the case in sexual problems. There's a, possibly a biological component related to the physical body, and there's often also a psychological component referring to what we think and what we feel, which so often uh, include and can cause suffering if things aren't working out correctly. Anonymous says, I'm a male, um, I've got kidney failure, I'm a kidney failure patient, and I'm doing a hemodialysis therapy. It's been eight years now, and I'm 42. Do I still stand a chance of being fertile? Um, that's, uh, that's a tricky question to answer, because there's often a lot of other medical issues that come along with kidney failure and it depends often on what the cause of the kidney failure is um, and it depends on other kinds of medication have been have been taken and whether there's other issues that are caused um, there to be uh, damage to um, to the testicles and to the production of sperm but it doesn't necessarily mean that is infertility it doesn't necessarily mean that just because he's on dialysis doesn't mean that should be infertile just by definition. But there is a way of finding out if that's the case. You can do a test on your sperm to see if you have viable amounts of sperm, or at least close to viable amounts. And it's worthwhile having a discussion with your doctor about this, because if you do anticipate, as you're getting older, that um, there are going to be further medical issues coming your way, and you're wanting to have as young and fit a sperm as possible, even though it's expensive, well, it's not that expensive, but you may want to consider storing his sperm, freezing it, so that he has some for a later date. Now, I mean, this isn't always within the economic bracket of, 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 of everybody to do this, but to, to store it um, is a possibility to think about. But having said all of that, putting that aside, to answer the question directly, um, if it's relatively uncomplicated, if he's not on any cytotoxic medication, he hasn't had cancer, and his hormones have been relatively intact, then he should have sufficient uh, sperm to be able to impregnate, though it may be more difficult for him. And certainly sexual function, um, erection, libido, all of that type of thing can also be more challenging under these kinds of circumstances. Let's go to the last voice note we can get through this evening. Good evening to you, Patricia and the doc. I want to remain anonymous. My question to you, doctor, is this. If a man has stayed, or if I have stayed for two months without having sex, and then I had sex, and I ejaculate in two minutes or three minutes, is it the same when I, when I had sex? three days ago and I ejaculate maybe again in two or three minutes. What is the difference? My question is, what is the difference? Is there, or let me put it this way, is there any difference when your man stays for a longer time without having sex than the one who usually have it? Is there any difference in time of ejaculation? Thank you. Another good question. Another good question. And if I understand correctly, what he's saying is, is there a difference in the time between you have sex to the time of ejaculation? Um, 
if I'm, I think I think that's correct. Well, the, the thing, if there is a large period of time between sexual activity, you've you've got a, a chance to build up all kinds of emotions around that connection, which may be uh, of anticipation, uh, a little bit like the last caller, uh, a feel of expe- a, a feel of expectation. You don't want to disappoint your partner. You don't want to disappoint yourself because you haven't had that experience recently. You may be a little uncertain about your um, you know how it's going to work for you. So it's a little bit like treading on a road which hasn't really been trod on recently. You're not sure if there's going to be rocks there or a few weeds on the way. You're going to you know trip yourself in a little crevice. So there's a little bit of uncertainty, and that uncertainty can cause anxiety, and anxiety in the body can trip your ejaculation so it occurs a little bit more quickly. So usually if you've got a sexual partner and you know your sexual partner well and you can anticipate and you know yourself with that sexual partner, it does become a little easier and you're a little bit less anxious and you can concentrate on the pleasure a little bit more because you've kind of completed the dance. You know, you know what it looks like from the outside and you don't, you're not worrying about other factors. Um, so from that point of view, uh, sexual dysfunction is a little bit less likely. Now, if the ejaculation was two to three minutes, that actually does fall within the normal range. So that isn't, classically speaking, uh, premature ejaculation. This may be a little quicker than the caller would like, maybe. But there is no doubt that sexual activity is a little bit like this highway that I'm talking about. You know, you as you use it, as you do it, as you with your partner, you're more familiar and you're able to anticipate it's like a dance. You've got a dancing partner, you can anticipate and know how they move, and you can create something without the anxiety and the uncertainty of a new partner who you're dancing with, and you're kicking each other's feet, and you're kind of going the wrong way, and you're not entirely sure what you're doing. So it certainly can be uh, that there can be a difference, but it's not necessarily the case that there should be, that there has to be a difference. So there's a lot of variability, as there is um, so often with, uh, with sexual activity. Doc, uh, thank you so very much for shedding light. I think uh, I now know what needs to be done if I'm faced with either early, um, delayed, or even no ejaculation at all. I'm going to bring that person straight to your practices so that you can diagnose. And then I'll, I'll just hold hands, you know, with the promise of yeah, a great, great dance later after the visit to Dr. Smith. Excellent. <laughs> uh, uh, Dr. Smith, Patricia, how do we get so in touch? How do we get in touch with you? Uh, it's, uh, Dr. Anthony Smith. Just my website is fine. drantonysmith.co.za um, and all the information you'd require will be on the, on the website. Excellent. Thank you so very much for another great session. Thank you. All the best. Bye-bye. You too. Thanks, Doc. A-teamers, it's officially Thursday. Now you know what you need to do with what you're facing as a man. And for the ladies, please support the men in your lives and um, uh, yeah, encourage them to seek medical assistance if they are facing any erectile disorders. At 3 a.m., you know how to start your morning, right? With the sound better, with the sound awake. And uh, we are back again for the Thursday edition of Late Night Conversations at 10 p.m. So make sure you are tuned in. May goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.